0: Building Dietitians podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 154. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, once again, we've got a few questions in the Instagram polls that we would like to answer today. So let's get right into it, Jack. This question, it says, how much of a difference does it make to fruit if you blend it rather than just eat it?
1: Great. So I guess we can break this down, pun intended, to in a few different manners. So does it make a difference in terms of nutritional value, in terms of the fiber? Mm-hmm.
0: How satiated you are.
1: Mm. So there's a few things to consider here. I'm assuming what, usually when people ask this type of question, blending versus eating whole foods, they are referencing like the nutritional quality and the dietary fiber as well. But essentially just because it's blended doesn't really alter the nutritional value or nutritional content or the dietary fiber as well it's we i think often when people think about especially dietary fiber they think about it as like a some sort of they think about it in the macro as opposed to the micro Mm. when in reality same goes with nutrients so vitamins and minerals you won't be able to see just because you can't see them doesn't mean that something isn't going on behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, you gotta trust that they're there. But yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't see dietary fiber with the naked eye.
1: No, you. It's just like looking at a plant or looking at a piece of food. The, the what makes dietary fiber dietary fiber is that it's it's only partially or undigestible by the human body, and that's to do with molecular structure of, of the food itself.
0: Mm, it's got those beta bonds. Mm. But I guess this is where people might get a little bit confused about which components of fruit and vegetables are dietary fiber. And it's not uncommon for people to say, oh, the skin of fruits and vegetables, it's much higher in dietary fiber than the actual pulp or all of the starch beneath that skin of the fruit or vegetable. Something that comes to mind for me is potatoes so people might say like oh don't peel your potatoes keep on the skin because it's a really good source of dietary fiber Mm. gram for gram yeah the skin will have some more dietary fiber in it compared to the starch of the potato underneath that skin but even the whiteness of the potato that has a decent amount of dietary fiber in it too but overall you can't actually see dietary fiber with your naked eye but you might be able to see chunks of a food that would have a high proportion of dietary fiber, but there's still other mm. things there too.
1: Well, I guess I'll throw the question at you. How come- When we look at like metamucil powder you can see metamucil powder
0: (laughs) well because as we even discussed this in another podcast and that metamucil powder isn't pure dietary fiber yes Mm. it has the phylum husk in it but it still has some digestible carbohydrates in there too and usually make that stuff taste good they actually add like maltodextrin and they add some sweetness Mm. some sort of sugar some sort of digestible carb which gives it that substance that bulk the same goes for a lot of things so for example The female contraceptive pill, right? It's not just a pill of 100% hormones. They actually have to add, like, sugar, a little bit of sugar, and little things to that pill to give it substance so that you have something to swallow. Because you can't see hormones with your naked eye.
1: Very enlightening.
0: (laughs) A little bit different to this question. But either way, if you blend your fruit compared to just eat it whole, is there any difference?
1: The only thing I that might come to mind is, like some degrees of processing will lower the nutrient content, but Mm. I think we're really going a little bit over the top then to look at just blending acutely, because some might argue, okay, chopping up your vegetables and then frying them, uh, and then, or even consuming like pre-cut vegetables, like those have a slightly lower vitamin C content, for example, Mm. which is quite susceptible to forms of processing.
0: Yeah, that's true because it would be a little bit more oxidized, wouldn't it? Or Mm. if you cut something up and throw it in a frying pan, then yes, some of those nutrients might degrade just due to the heat. So yes, whatever you're going to do, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. What I can think of is like the biggest thing would certainly be the thermic effect of food and also just satiation. So the literature does quite strongly support that If you want to feel more satiated, actually eating whole food sources opposed to drinking your calories will help you feel fuller for longer. So let's say that you wanted to eat a punnet of strawberries opposed to getting out the Nutribullet and blending up your strawberries with some ice and drinking it that way. Generally, you actually will feel a little bit more satiated if you actually go through that motion of actually eating the strawberries rather than drinking them. And that's also combined with, you know, mastication and actually chewing your food. That helps to initiate digestion as well and stimulate certain enzymes. And also, actually, starting the process like that can help with satiation because they say it takes about 20 minutes or so for hormones to be released so that you actually feel full after a meal. That's why it's generally Mm -hmm. recommended to chew your food, take your time, don't rush it. But yeah, actually having more bulk in your stomach that your digestive system has to work a little bit harder to actually break down that food itself compared to starting off with a smaller particle size, like it would have to do if you blended it all up yeah, you probably will burn a little bit more calories through the thermic effect of food by eating whole foods. But in the grand scheme of things, man, who really knows what that number is? I wouldn't say it's drastically significant.
1: Yeah. the only other thing I can think of is when you blend something, you increase the surface area of it, which therefore might make it easier to digest.
0: Mm, Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Especially
1: for things like nuts, but maybe not So for fruit. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And depending on if you were to eat whole fruit, how well are you chewing it as Mm. well? Uh, But that's what I was thinking too. So for example, let's let's say someone wanted to blend up some corn (laughs) or let's say they were trying to make like a corn soup and they like pureed a bunch of corn. I would argue that they would probably be able to extract more nutrients from that corn compared to if they were just to eat whole corn kernels like from frozen corn or in a can or off a corn cob. Because you know, when you when you do that, sometimes after you go to the bathroom, you can see it. <laughs> so I would argue that like if you were to actually puree a lot more of your food, yeah, you probably are exposing more surface area so that digestive enzymes can do their thing and perhaps absorb a few more nutrients and you wouldn't quite have as many in your in your toilet in your toilet (laughs) thank you very much for filling in the gaps but I would say just eat foods in the way that you enjoy and prepare them how you enjoy and ultimately I think it's human nature to chew your food rather than blend it Believe it or not, we actually haven't had access to blenders for all that long. So, uh, but ultimately it starts with your teeth, man. So mm. take your time, chew your food well, and just trust that everything's probably going to be absorbed for the most
1: part. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I just went to the dentist and I was slightly worried that, because uh, I've been having more sports drinks uh, as my intra workout, that I might have developed... Uh, some erosion potentially of the enamel, mm. but fortunately, he said everything was good.
0: Yeah, uh, I wonder if the erosion is not necessarily just from consuming sweet drinks, but it's usually the carbonation as well.
1: Is it? I thought it was consuming sweet drinks and then not rinsing your mouth mouth afterwards.
0: Mm, I thought that the carbonation had something to do with it. We'll have to ask a dentist. Yes. <laughs> For now, it is unknown interesting how you mentioned about sugar whenever i go to the dentist they always talk about how i have tea and coffee stains because i like to drink a lot of tea like chai tea and green tea and i have a coffee every single day but it's usually on the back of my teeth that they say i've got like little tea stains so they've always got to brush those away but after i come out of the dentist like my teeth always just look so white <laughs> it's wonderful
1: <laughs> yeah it
0: is (laughs) it's very nice all right anyway we're moving on to another question so this one says do we have to consume fats with raw veggies and salad for digestion is it mandatory
1: so i guess sometimes it's nice to be able to ask a follow-up question to the question but of course we don't have that luxury (laughs) so i guess my question would be when they say digestion does that mean our general digestion so like i don't know Gastric motility, use of the bathroom, etc., mm. or do they mean digestion of the food itself? Because mm. like, there's two different kind of segues there. But I would say consuming fat alongside sources of nutrition like fruit and vegetables, for example, is relatively important because they contain fat-soluble vitamins, which are vitamins A, D, E, and K. Vitamin D less so because you can't really consume that in large quantities through food, but If we do consume fat-soluble vitamins, given the name fat-soluble, we do need to consume a fat source alongside them to maximize the absorption of them by the body. But I guess you could lump in digestion as an umbrella term for digesting these vitamins.
0: Mm, Certainly. like enhancing nutrient absorption mm. so what this might look like so vitamin a usually we can only get the bioavailable form pure vitamin a if we actually eat something like liver or perhaps something that might be fortified with vitamin a but liver is generally one of the best pure sources of vitamin a because vitamin a is actually stored in the liver in animals so if you were to eat some liver from an animal then there's actually even the risk of like suffering from vitamin A toxicity. If you eat too much organ meat, that's why it's usually recommended. Like if you eat organ meat, try to limit it to about once per week or so. But
1: I've actually been asked quite a few times in the last month about organ meat consumption because Mm -hmm. the carnivore diet is becoming more and more popular, unfortunately. And it's like a big topic, especially with like liver king on Instagram and stuff like that. And yeah, I think maybe it might be useful if we touch on organ meat consumption as well.
0: Mm. Well, I think the general gist is that with organ meat, particularly the liver, which is one of the largest organs in our body, it is responsible for a lot of energy metabolism and you'd store a lot of nutrients in the liver. So if you were to eat high amounts of liver, you can just run the risk of actually suffering from nutrient toxicity.
1: Mm. Plus, remember, the liver is where the do- detoxification occurs. <laughs> so, like, you're kind of consuming the organ in the body, which detoxifies everything. Mm. So, from that standpoint... It's
0: it, like the filter cleaner.
1: Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like the kidneys, in a sense. And, I mean, not that, that I don't think it would be that harmful, but at the same time, it's kind of like where a lot of the waste kind of gets filtered out, which mm. doesn't particularly entice me to eat it. But the organ meat, other than having nutrients in its bioavailable form which is great doesn't mean that it's like a worthwhile food to consume regularly like that's where what a lot of our other food is for is for obtaining good nutrition from Mm. and just because something is super high in a particular nutrient like x supplement doesn't mean that we need to consume organ meat doesn't provide any additional benefits than than regular food if anything it has more negatives because you run the risk of Toxicity level of something Mm. like vitamin A. Yeah. And yeah, that's just one of the instances where people on social media are kind of touting organ meat. And even some of my clients have like come to me saying, Oh, Jack, should I start eating organ meat regularly? And the answer is almost always no, because you just run the risk of toxicity. Mm. And again, it doesn't like the only reason I would recommend organ meat is if you genuinely like to eat it and you eat it as a delicacy. But I don't think it really needs a place in a In a regular diet
0: Mm, i i agree if if you want a little bit then i'd say just have and enjoy a little bit obviously it's very different in different cultures Mm. some cultures around the world really get amongst different parts of the animal but it's still certainly a good source of protein but it's it's interesting because organ meat it's made of smooth muscle and whereas our usual meat
1: source is
0: skeletal muscle but if you ate a heart then that would be cardiac muscle. Interesting. Interesting. But either way, a, if you want... Are the p-
1: textures different, do you know?
0: I've had heart before, and uh, yeah, cardiac muscle, it definitely does have a different texture to skeletal muscle. I've mm. actually never had organ meat myself.
1: Yeah, I haven't either. Mm. I've had pate, but that's obviously quite textured in itself. Mm. Like, its I haven't had, like, just a liver served up on the plate before.
0: I've eaten whole snails before. And technically, those little snails have some organs in them, right? Mm. Does that count? Mm. <laughs> either way, getting back to our fat soluble vitamins. So, if you want like pure vitamin A, you like one of the best sources of that would be liver. But usually, vitamin A comes from the non bioavailable form, which we usually find in a lot of our fruits and vegetables that are either orange or yellow or red so think of something like like a carrot yeah or some pumpkin or some capsicum whatever it may be these have beta carotene in them which is the non-bioavailable form of vitamin a and the great thing about beta carotene is that there's no toxicity level so it's safe to eat as much pumpkin or as many carrots as your heart desires. In fact, in some cultures like France, they purposely drink carrot juice so that they actually get this like tinge of orange to their skin. And I think anyone who's ever gone through a phase of eating something like a lot of pumpkin, you actually do start to turn a little bit of a tinge of orange. I know it's happened to me before. It's because that beta carotene it's stored within your skin. but you don't run a risk of toxicity. It's totally safe. Like your body will make that vitamin A available if it needs a little bit more vitamin A. Hey guys, just a reminder that we don't just coach physique athletes, but we do coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Therefore, if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com, or alternatively, click the link in the show notes below. After vitamin A, we have another fat-soluble vitamin, vitamin D.
1: Yeah, so vitamin D is mainly obtained from the sun and especially in, I guess, colder climates, a lot of those people, unfortunately, would be vitamin D deficient without knowing about it.
0: Mm, It's not even cold climates, even hot climates like Australia. Sometimes it's so hot that people won't go out and get enough sunlight exposure or if they do, they're super protective of their skin so they don't get sunburnt. And they'll always go out with sunscreen and long sleeves and umbrellas. So yeah, people all over the world can essentially be vitamin D deficient A.
1: Yeah, and it's very easy nutrient to supplement with. It's very hard to obtain a toxicity level of it unless mm. you're taking stupid amounts, <laughs> like sculling a whole bottle of vitamin D pills at once. <laughs> and it's very important for our bone health, but not really as obtains from the diet unless it's fortified through products, which Mm. I don't really see too often, mainly in dairy products because dairy products are usually associated with uh, bone mineral density because of the calcium component.
0: Mm. And you can also get it from like things like bony fish. So so for example, if you were to eat some sardines or some salmon with a few little bones in it, then you could actually get a little bit of vitamin D from that. But man, the sun or usually supplementation is your best bet. And then we have vitamin E. Yeah,
1: so vitamin E is a antioxidant, and it's one of the less talked about vitamins compared to vitamin A and vitamin K. But the common food sources of vitamin E are going to mainly be fruits, vegetables, particularly avocado.
0: Mm, avocado is great. Really good source of vitamin E. And even like plant oils, some nuts and seeds. Like if it's going to be in a fruit or a vegetable, it's going to have to be a pretty fat source of a fruit or a vegetable so something Mm. like an avocado
1: (laughs) or an olive maybe (laughs) yeah and then we have vitamin k which is mainly in green leafy vegetables Mm. and like the, the interesting thing about green leafy vegetables is they contain a lot of oxalates which kind of interfere with digestion and absorption so You do need to consume a decent amount of them to actually obtain a sufficient amount Mm. of vitamin K. And
0: vitamin K plays a large role in blood coagulation. That's the way I kind of always remembered it with like coagulate and the K sound pretty similar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the reason why I think this question was asked is that it said, do we have to consume a fat source with our fruits and vegetables to assist with digestion? So like we said we interpreted this digestion as in nutrient absorption and in that case yes it's probably a fairly good idea because if you want to maximize the absorption of a fat soluble nutrient then it would be pretty strategic to have a source of dietary fat within that meal that doesn't mean that you need to drown that meal in olive oil by any means if you have at least like 5 to 10 grams of a dietary fat source with a meal that has high fruit or vegetable content or high content of a fat soluble nutrient. So like, for example, let's say that you're having your breakfast, but your breakfast, it doesn't have any fruits or vegetables in it. Let's say that someone just had some cereal with a whey protein shake and some milk. It's really strategic to actually supplement with vitamin D in the morning because vitamin D is linked with melatonin synthesis. So it helps obviously with our sleep wake cycle. But because vitamin D is a fat soluble nutrient, you should be consuming it alongside a meal too. So if you were to consume your vitamin D in the morning with your breakfast, I would really encourage people to have a source of dietary fat with their breakfast, like at least five to 10 grams, if not more.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree. Otherwise, especially if you might only have one meal per day, which is higher in fat soluble vitamin content, It's really important that you then make the most of it.
0: Mm -hmm. And I guess you could also make the argument that perhaps it's not mandatory that the dietary fat source is in that specific meal as long as you are having a source of dietary fat around that meal. So what comes to mind for me is, for example, let's say that at night someone wants to have a nice big chicken salad, but they also enjoy a few squares of dark chocolate at night as well. They don't have to put their dark chocolate on their salad (laughs) sort of thing. Like we know that digestion happens over a number of hours, especially if you're consuming fruit or vegetable content in the whole form, it's gonna take a number of hours for that to actually be in your stomach and then going through your intestines to actually be digested and absorbed. So even if you were to have your dinner, let's say around like six or seven o'clock, you'd probably still have a few hours following if you wanted to have some source of dietary fat following that and that would probably assist with the fat soluble nutrient absorption as well
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you make a good point
0: but i guess the other argument for dietary fat within a meal is just so that you have a balanced meal as well and so that it is quite satiating because usually if you combine a fibrous source of carbohydrates and some dietary fat and some protein in a meal that's going to help satiate you quite a bit longer compared to if you were to just have a low fiber source of carbohydrates and just some protein
1: yeah i think fat is often underrated for satiation because we often see it as the most energy dense macronutrient but it also does help slow down digestion as well which actually brings us into another question
0: yeah we actually have this question again about fat it says does having fats prior to training decrease blood flow to muscles because you're slowing down your digestion
1: Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it but i don't really think so unless you are eating within very close proximity to training and that meal is potentially very very high fat or very difficult to digest Mm. because we know that when we are consuming food, there's like the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. So parasympathetic is prioritizing digestion. It's the rest and digest. And a lot of our blood flow will be directed to our digestive tract. Whereas the sympathetic nervous system, flight or fight. So basically exercise would fall under that category where blood flow is diverted to our exercising muscles. Mm. So that's what happens. And that's why people get a little bit sick when They eat in close proximity to training, especially in a very fed state. So in a calorie surplus, because they're, they're trying to prioritize two different opposing variables at the same time.
0: Mm. But in that case, it's, it's never going to be one or the other. (laughs) So it's never like your body's going to be like, Oh, I'm prioritizing digestion now. So I'm going to shunt all blood away from your muscles. Or it's like, no, I'm exercising now. So I'm going to shunt all blood away from your digestive system one is obviously going to dominate but it's it's never going to be the case where you've completely vasoconstricted an area that it's not receiving any blood flow in the slightest i would say that if you started to exercise your body would definitely get the memo and start to prioritize shunting blood to your extremities and to your exercising muscles it wouldn't necessarily reduce the amount of blood flow that is in your exercising muscles, but I think that you might just get a little bit of a stomach ache because there's no longer a significant amount of blood going to your digestive system. So basically that food's kind of still in your stomach, but you're either running around or you're in the gym heaving heavy weights, but you've still got a meal sitting in there. So I think that's what will make you feel quite uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, which is why recommendations for pre-nutrition guidelines or pre-workout guidelines exist. So either consuming a fairly rapidly digested source of carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. so something that is high GI, or having a lower GI or slower digesting meal, but having a decent window prior to training of, I would say, at least one hour, Mm -hmm. the very At the very least. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you just need to experiment. I find like Mm. different things work for different people. I know that I could have a humongous meal and go and kill it at the gym or go for a 15 kilometer run like I used to and I'd be totally fine. Like Your body is very adaptive and it will get used to literally what you're feeding it. But uh, different people digest food differently. Either way, I I certainly think that your muscles aren't going to miss out on any blood flow. You're still certainly going to get a pump. You might just have a little bit of a stomach ache. Mm.
1: Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular content on our Instagram and YouTube channel. You can find those platforms by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there.
0: All right, well, we're going to finish with this last question of the day. And it says would you recommend vitamin water to those struggling to get fluids in?
1: So interesting question, but no, I wouldn't recommend vitamin water specifically.
0: Mm, It is very specific, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe because vitamin water is perceived as more nutritious than, I don't diet, soft drink or regular water. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know, but no, short answer is no. I think, Flavored water, like vitamin water or diet cordial, whatever you want to have. Probably not diet soft drink, something that is more water-based. It can help with having sufficient fluid, but it's just a tool. It's not going to be better than water itself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I understand where people are coming from and that like some people just do not like the taste of just standard, just plain water and especially people don't have it built into them and it's not a habit that's ingrained to actually stay well hydrated throughout the day and maybe have a big glass of water in the morning or sip on water throughout the day it can sometimes feel like quite a chore but at the end of the day you experience that you're dehydrated and that's no fun either so Mm. you have to find a way to make fluid more enticing
1: yeah and how do you do that
0: I drink a lot of tea and and what I've actually discovered recently is that previously I was getting ripped off and I was getting scammed by those cold infusion tea bags, which are priced at like 10 times the amount of a standard tea bag. What I realized is that it's all just flipping tea bags, man. So what I actually do is I take my big, protein shaker and I put a tea bag in there. I really like chai tea or something like peppermint tea is really nice as well. Basically any herbal tea. I put a few sweetener tablets in there and I just fill that up with cold water and I just keep that in the fridge and then I just drink that during the day and it tastes so nice. Like just having a hint of like chai in your water keeps me very well hydrated. I can't believe though, I I literally feel ashamed that it took me so many years to realize they're all just tea bags. You can just buy the big ones in bulk like the twinings where you get like a hundred tea bags or whatever. And it's only a few cents per bag compared to, you know, paying like a dollar or something for a tea bag, which is just so silly. But yeah, yeah cold infusion teas that you make yourself to be cold infusions, they can be hot as well as just tea uh, are awesome. And I'd say those are calorie free. I never track herbal teas because it's literally just the essence from whatever the hell the leaves are in there. Do you, how do you stay well hydrated?
1: I just drink water. Mm. Yeah.
0: Plain Jane.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do drink pre-workout and coffee as well, mm. which contributes to your hydration and intra-workout. But Yeah, I'm not a fan of... I just don't have the appetite, really, to have something flavored. If anything, I'd just rather have a big glass of water. Mm. Because if I have something flavored, it then kind of interferes with my appetite regulation. And then I won't be as hungry for the next meal.
0: Yeah, definitely. But remember, like, fluid doesn't just come from water bottles or... The tap, like fluid is also in your food. It's also in like your cooking as well. So if you're eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and you're eating foods that have hydration within them, so things like oatmeal, or you're having cereal with some milk in it, you're making yourself some sort of soup, some rice, some pasta, over the day, you are actually obtaining quite a bit of fluid from your food as well. And I'm fairly sure that fluid recommendations during the day encompass all just fluid that you're obtaining it's not like you have to drink all of this fluid purely just from a gallon of water
1: yeah well not alcohol
0: oh yeah alcohol doesn't count that's just dehydrates you (laughs) yeah
1: well no like bleach or toilet cleaner
0: where the heck is this going <laughs> just stick to the confused tease <laughs>
1: well i'm just i'm just making sure everyone's on the same page like it's it's just water-based products people
0: yes it is all right well we're gonna finish on one last thing for the day and that's something that we learned this week so jack what did you learn
1: so i learned uh we were talking about flow rider mm-hmm. the <laughs> musician and yeah he's kind of just fallen off the board hasn't he like he doesn't really produce much anymore what, what's your favorite Flo Rida hit, would you say?
0: Mm, he wrote that song, My House, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Did, oh, didn't he also do that one? Well, he did Low with yeah, Chris Brown. Yeah, Low. Or that's right. was it right. With
1: Chris Brown? No, it was with T-Pain, I think.
0: Yeah, Low and My House. Those are the two.
1: Well, he did Right Round, the rendition of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you like that one?
0: Yeah, that's a good one. It's pretty catchy. <laughs> cool. But either way, he hasn't uh, he hasn't been on the scene for a while.
1: No, mm-hmm. yeah. I think you were really missing him and... <laughs> You were just telling me about him and
0: Oh yes. <laughs> On our walk to the gym I just brought up the topic of Flowrider.
1: <laughs> not to be confused with Lowrider. Mm,
0: and not to be confused with a state in the United States of America.
1: No, but that's in fact what I learned this week is that his name is derived from the state. <laughs> Florida.
0: Flow rider is from Florida. He is from Florida, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. But boy, that blew my mind when you were like, oh, my gosh, Flo Rida is Florida.
1: Mm. Just hyphenated. Very, yeah. very inventive. But
0: dude, he he doesn't need to write a single song for the rest of his life. He could just die with that in his name. <laughs> I am Florida.
1: Potentially. <laughs> but yeah, if he does want to make any intro music for TVD, then he is more than welcome to. Okay. <laughs> maybe you could i think you could join in with him
0: yeah dude i'd sing backup
1: yeah well anyway what did you learn this week
0: okay well i learned this week that i might not be needing you for much longer mm-hmm. when it comes to taking progress photos because discovered this awesome app which you actually told me about but i've taken full advantage of it it's called lens buddy so lens buddy is an app that you can download it connects to your camera and you can select how many seconds you want it to frequently take photos because in the past I used to be that person prior to meeting you with progress photos how you set the self timer to like 10 seconds then you run up against the wall take the picture you run back see if you got the shot and you go back and forth then I graduated to taking a video of myself and then taking a screenshot from that video but now discovered this app called Lens Buddy that you just set up and it just takes pictures for you. You could call them bursts, but it's not quite the same as bursts because they're still a really good quality photo. And you can say, I want you to take a photo every second, two seconds, five, 10, whatever it may be.
1: Every hour if you wanted to. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's a long time to take (laughs) Spending progress. I mean, you
1: take a while to set up for each pose. Yeah,
0: I do. Well, I want to get the shot. You know what I mean? But now I don't have to frustrate you because I think every girl out there with with an Instagram boyfriend, she's got a pretty frustrated Instagram boyfriend sometimes because it's like oh no you just need to get this angle or you know just take more i'll just delete them later so now lens buddy can do it for me i can take Mm. all the photos i want i can pick the one that i want and i can delete the rest so
1: is it dog friendly though
0: i think it's dog friendly i'm sure sam could operate it (laughs) i'm sure we'll be using it in future when we want to get family photos with the dogs But yeah absolute game changer lens buddy has been for me because i swear behind every photo you probably see of someone on instagram there were like another 200 in their camera roll and they picked the one
1: indeed yeah yeah
0: so you better like that photo because they probably went through a lot of sifting to get that one mm. <laughs> either way that's uh, that's what i learned this week it's changed the game for me
1: <laughs> well thanks for listening guys if you enjoyed this episode and you learned something, particularly those last two points, then be sure to give us a five-star rating on Spotify or iTunes. Mm -hmm. And if you enjoyed the episode, please repost it onto your social media. Tag myself, tag Tierra, tag TBD. And we'll see you next week.
0: Bye.